Hello, and welcome to the Frozen Live podcast. A podcast aimed at staying in touch with the PMLD community in the age of coronavirus. I'm Amber Onak Gregory. And I'm Lucy Garland, and we're the co-artistic directors of Frozen Light. We're usually seen around the country touring multi-sensory theatre shows, but now that the theatre industry is currently in lockdown, we are making a podcast to stay in touch with our audiences. So on today's podcast, we've got Lucy and Thomas Williams joining us from Wales, and we've come across Lucy on Facebook, where she runs a great page called Riding on a Star. She's also got a blog, which we will link on our show notes. And we're really excited to hear what they've been up to in lockdown. So we will give Lucy and Thomas a quick ring now. Thomas and hi Lucy thank you for coming on the Frozen Life podcast today. Um, Lucy would you like to introduce yourself and Thomas? Good morning I'm Lucy this is Thomas uh, Thomas is nine I blog about life with Thomas um, at Riding on a Star on Facebook and Twitter um, I write about our experiences because I've just learned so much from life with Thomas and Thomas brings us so much joy uh, so much joy and happiness, and I like to share happy photos, happy videos, and just try and brighten people's day, but also educate people on uh, living with someone with PMLD. Um, so Lucy, what does your lockdown look like, and how has life changed for you and for Thomas? Uh, well, our lockdown started like mid-March, so before it was officially announced, I was getting quite nervous. Uh, my husband works in Liverpool, so you know, in a busy urban area, which is a couple of hours away from us. And I was starting to feel anxious about him being there and saying, please, can you start working from home? Because he was doing once a week. But he did do on Friday the, the 13th of March. He would have been home anyway. And he said, right, I've asked from now on, I'm going to be at home. And the children were still going to school. Um, but by the Tuesday, we kept them both home. Um, partly my daughter had a sore throat which wasn't listed as a symptom of coronavirus but we thought right this has made us just too sort of anxious about it now and kept them both home from then but it was sort of two days later I think the schools closed anyway and you guys are in uh, Wales aren't you yes we're I mean, in North Wales so the rules are a bit different <laughs> and that's really interesting actually being in North Wales but your husband working in Liverpool because obviously there's been so much about not being able to cross that border Yes, so he's not he's not had to go into work since then anyway, so it's not been an issue um, since then. But we have, we, I think early on maybe we did visit local shops, just dashed into the local co-op or something. But since the first couple of weeks, we've not been anywhere apart from outside for a walk with our dog or me and my husband run. But other than that, we've just remained... Other than that, we've remained, like, completely isolated. Thomas isn't going to school, and I read your daughter's not going to school. Is that correct? No, sorry. So they're, they're both at, at home so since mid-March. Um, and so we have, like, our kind of routine, really. Like, I do Thomas's physio generally in the morning. I got his standing frame home from school, like, the day after we kept him home so that I can put him in that. 
Um, he has his own eye gaze equipment at home, so he goes on that. And then it's trying to juggle everything, really. We're trying to persuade my daughter to do some schoolwork, uh, getting you know, jobs around the house done, because whilst my husband's at home, he is working full-time. Um, we stopped care that week as well, so we did have respite care two afternoons a week. And we stopped that then as well. Just We were still entitled to it, we still would be, but we felt anxious that... You know, the carers coming in would be going to other vulnerable children and obviously having more contact with people in the community. Um, so we just felt like it wasn't really worth the risk. Um, and my mum would also look after Thomas sometimes. She comes, you know, some afternoons and um, helps out. So we, we've not, well, we haven't had her in until this week. Actually, things have changed because we've got PPE. Um, but for that period, you know, till this week, we just hadn't had anyone in. To look after Thomas or any respite. And just to say, this week we are currently recording on Tuesday the 30th of June, um, and this podcast will be going out um, in a couple of weeks, um, and things are changing quite rapidly. So what, how was it easy enough for you guys to get PPE at this, this week to have your mum come round and things? Because I know that's been a really difficult thing for everyone. Um, well, we hadn't looked into it initially. Um, it was... I saw it um, advertised by Wellchild Charity that they said they had some PP that had been donated and that families could apply for it. Um, so we thought, well, that's one option because we know with my mum that she's been very limited in who she has contact with. Um, you know, she is visiting some shops, but really minimally. Um, so we knew that you know she was sort of lesser of a risk than the carers that would be coming in from the health service. So I contacted in the well child and put through the application and spoke to them and said, this is why we'd like some. Uh, so the box arrived Friday or Saturday. Um, obviously, check with my mum as well, would you be comfortable doing this? So she said yes, and she came on Sunday or sort of, well, we sort of left the things on the doorstep. She got changed on the doorstep and she had a mask and her apron and the gloves. So it was a bit, you know, it's a bit of a shame that she's, obviously in that situation and not got the proper contact with Thomas but we, we had a bit of a sit down and read our books for an hour or so while she was here and we could just hear loads of laughing so it, obviously Thomas wasn't too distressed by it. And she must have been so pleased to see you guys and to see Thomas. Yeah it's really pleased to like have close contact with him because since we've been allowed where you can have someone come to the house and it be in the garden um, and the two metre distance we have done that um, we haven't been really clear about Thomas's position regarding shielding because he didn't get a letter from the Welsh government, um, which people who were told to shield should do. Um, I spoke to a GP and said, well, what do you think? Um, and they said, well, yes, I think he, he should be. So we had a letter from the GP, but that didn't trigger a lot of the other support. Um, we were fine with that because we we've struggled for shopping deliveries and I did get on the priority list with Tesco through showing this letter and speaking to them. Um, so that's not been too bad. And we haven't, I think we were told there's things like food boxes, but we weren't, you know, we weren't worried about that. It was just being able to get shopping deliveries. Um, so it's not really been clear with like how much of a risk you know Thomas is but we felt we must be at risk and we'd rather keep him safe but we did sort of have so that's as far as we've gone is have my parents in the back garden <laughs> sat on chairs sort of a good couple of meters away so it was nice for that you know they've enjoyed um seeing the children <laughs> Thomas has liked hearing my mum's voice and he does react to that but I think because he's visually impaired then perhaps not seeing your kind of 
was a bit strange because he keeps seeing it close up, um, but he still seemed quite happy and they were happy to see him and it was obviously better than nothing. And nice for you to have an hour to read your book. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> coming again later this week, so. Yes, good old grandmas. And I'm, I'm really finding that like the first time you, you see people as lockdown as easing, like it's really lovely, but it also feels quite odd. You know, it feels quite strange and yeah. different and nothing is the same anymore. But I find that the, the more you, you know, the more you slowly, slowly see those same people, the kind of more you develop what that kind of new normal looks like for your relationship, which is really lovely. Yeah, it is just very strange isn't it but sort of the normal for now and you've mentioned the eye gaze technology we've seen some great photos of thomas using eye gaze technology at home can you tell us a bit about what this technology enables um well at thomas's stage at the moment his communication with it is really quite minimal but it does give him the opportunity that he's got some control and some agency you know over some things so He's got his, like, the main grid and he can choose something off there. Um, there's some activities that involve um, kind of interaction with me. Like Thomas Says, sort of based on the Simon Says game. So he will look at Thomas Says and then there's, yeah, six different things he could choose from, like tickle me, rub my head, clap your hands. So he can then obviously choose something and then I'm responding to it. Or there's things to do, like, shooting bubbles and then I've got bubble gun um, and that sort of thing um, some other things are just like videos the selection of YouTube videos for you to look at and you can't just spend hours looking at them a bit like a sister really and then we've got then the stop more on different screens so if he seems to have like stopped engaging I'll give him that option and he can choose different and then I'll go back to the menu and you can select something else more we go back to what he was on or stop then we stop being on the eye gaze altogether so that hopefully he can build up one day and you know build up over the years and did that technology was that something initiated by school or how did that come about um it came about six years ago now then i came across the company smart box at the uh, kids up north exhibit so they talked to me about eye gaze um and then um, he had a trial then which happened in school uh, but that triggered then other um, things with speech and language, referring him to an assistive technology department, um, and they got involved. Um, and had then the e-tram frame for eye pointing, a further trial with the eye gaze. Um, but then when the NHS assessed it all, decided that he couldn't use it to a sufficient degree to be able to fund one. And he could have the e-tran and sort of build up with the e-tran. He would then learn eye pointing from that. And if he could demonstrate he could use that enough, they may fund an eye gaze in the future. Um, so I was then told about SQL Trust, which funds communication devices, um, and went to them and applied to them. We did some fundraising to contribute it as well, and, and friends did. Um, and he received that a year last November. So he did, and he did in the meantime, sorry, the school did purchase one that Thomas could use, but it was obviously a shared device and it was in one room that he could then go to in, in his slot. Um, so he's had his own since a year last November, which goes back and forth to the school. Um, so he can use it there as well. What's so tricky with that is obviously to not get funding for something that 
you're not able to use at that point in time. But, you know, the whole point is, is that it's developing communication over a period of time, isn't it? So how can you show that it's something that you can communicate with in the future? Yes, exactly. So we were just sort of stuck then with that, you know, from their point of view. It seems such a shame that there was like a price tag put on Thomas being able to have something that could assist him in communicating and having his own agency to make choices and decisions. It just seems really wrong in that aspect. Yes, it was really disappointing. Um, because like you say, how, how is he then supposed to show that he can use it? He's not given the opportunity to use it. Because um, the problem with the e-tran frame is it's dependent on you judging whether he's really looking at something or not. And I've never really felt that confident with it. Uh, whereas the eye gaze does seem to register him better. He's got to look at the same thing for, well, it, it is sort of, um, you can adjust the length. So because Thomas doesn't necessarily look at it for a long period, um, it is adjusted, I think, 1.5 seconds. Whereas I felt when I'm holding this e-tran frame in front of me, it's like, well, is he really looking at it? Because he's got a squint as well, so. The e-tran frame, is that, that's less of a digital thing. Is that more something that you would hold? Yeah, so it's like a perspex frame, which then has like a hole in the middle for your face so you can see him and then like handles at the side so you can hold it and then you can stick things to it so that we've got like the Velcro pieces to the top corners and then cards with Velcro, you know, the opposite Velcro on the back to stick on there so that he could make choices between toys maybe and books and so on, which I've tried by photographing different toys and different books, but actually I've probably not pursued it enough because I don't really feel confident that I'm judging it properly. And then if I feel like if I get it wrong, he's going to be frustrated maybe, or, or he's not going to learn how to use it if I interpreted, you know, his intentions wrongly. Whereas what the eye gaze technology does is that that interprets his intentions. Is that right? Yeah, so the camera picks up his eye movements and therefore you can see like the cursor going around the screen and then to sort of select something, he has to look at that one image um, for this 1.5 seconds. I mean, it's not completely fail-safe because um, you can um, calibrate it each time just to make sure it is set up for his eyes and the position he's in that day. So you do see a difference if I've calibrated it for Thomas and then I try and test it. I find that it's activating something slightly to one side to where I'm actually looking. So obviously if it wasn't set up and calibrated properly when Thomas was using it, then it could be interpreting his eye movements wrongly. And so I have to set it up each time. Well, I, I do do so just to make sure, but certainly like the one in school being used by different children, you know, it would have to be checked for Thomas each time he used it. I mean, it's really just having that opportunity to communicate, isn't it? It's like how... When we create a theatre show, it's not about everyone necessarily coming and having the same experience at that theatre show, but it's the opportunity to access theatre. And this, again, it's like the opportunity to access a form of communication. Yes, and giving him those opportunities sometimes that he's got some control rather than just having things done to him. He's got at least that period where he can have some choice. And sometimes that choice is to immediately go to, what next? Stop. <laughs> As soon as I put him on it, I was like, oh, okay, not in the mood today. But I think that's come through in a lot of our interviews, that importance of somebody being able to make a choice and, and have 
space and time to be able to do that. And in episode two of this podcast, Joanna Grace talks about the importance of visibility of people with PMLD in our online world. We know that Thomas has recently been involved in an advertising campaign for a children's play product. How did that opportunity come about? Right, well, local to us, there's a company called Dr. Ziggs that makes giant bubbles and bubble kits, uh, century bubbles and all sorts. And we met them, we think, about six years ago when they visited the hospice that Thomas has respite at. Um, and they brought their product in then and demonstrated them and gave some to the hospice. And then I came across the owner of the business um, in other occasions that we can't actually remember how now, uh, called Paola. And so we've just kept in contact since then. Um, they shared some photos yesterday from their new campaign, which has come about as a result of the Black Lives Matter movement. And they felt, you know, what can we be doing more to, uh, to be more diverse as a company? So they've um, had a new photo shoot for their products to, to put photos on their products. Um, so including children of different backgrounds, ethnicities and so on. Uh, and we got in touch and asked if Thomas would be willing to go along and be photographed and be one of the children that features on their products and in their advertising in the future. Amazing. And I've seen the photos on your Facebook and they're amazing. And I've also had a look at the website and I've seen a previous uh, photo of Thomas on there. And he's, um, there's an entire bubble that surrounds him, which just looks so cool. And it must have been a lot of fun to shoot that, Thomas. Yes, it was when we, again, when we visited, they have a, where they sell the products, they also um, did have like a barn, a bubble barn, they called it, and birthday parties could be hosted there and things. Just realised Thomas has pulled his glasses down. You've lost your glasses, Thomas. <laughs> so we visited there for another child's birthday party, and then the week after, they had, like, a Halloween hey! event. <laughs> As Thomas may be telling us. <laughs> um, and so they had a fancy dress competition, and Thomas went dressed up as, like, a Halloween spider. Hey! Yes. Nice. He won the fancy dress competition that day, and as you saw, he was enclosed in a giant bubble while he was there. Very nice. I mean, who doesn't want to be enclosed in a giant bubble? It looks like I do. I want to be enclosed in a giant bubble. That's now what I want. We did that, like I said, the first time we met them in the hospice, they brought the kit to be able to. I think at that time they couldn't put Thomas in one, but they, they then developed stuff they could do something big enough to go over a wheelchair. But that's really cool. So previously, that product wasn't accessible for a wheelchair user, and then they adapted their product to make it accessible? Yes, I think so, from recollection, because like I said, at that time it was just myself, my husband and my daughter and staff at the hospice that went in the, the bubble, the way they did that, the way it sort of lifted up. But then when we visited them um, in their place, which was about three years ago, they then had, um, like with the bubble wands, in the same way that they do their giant bubbles. So then they'd have two people stood either side and then it's a sort of square with string. I don't know how much you can pick that up from the photograph but then they get the mixture on the string and then pull it down over him so that the top of the bubble would stay above him and the bubble would then come down around him till it popped on him. This sounds like a Fraser-like priority, Amber. It does, it does. <laughs> we need this in our next show. This is amazing. So in your latest blog post in regards to shielding for 11 weeks, you end it by saying, we're therefore left wondering, so what now? And this was on the 4th of June. So have things changed for your family since then? And what support and advice do you feel would be useful for you? Um, I think it's just all been really unclear about, you know, the risks to Thomas. 
you know, like I explained, we didn't get a shielding letter from the government and a GP thought Thomas was at risk and um, or could be classed as extremely vulnerable, but we don't know for sure. And I appreciate, obviously, in the nature of, of the virus, nobody is really going to be sure, um, but it just has been difficult not knowing. Um, and we then, therefore, have seen you know, people that are just really relaxed about it. When lockdown was in place, people who were then breaking, you know, those rules and meeting up and putting others at risk. And then since it's all been loosened, which it has been less here in Wales, um, but we are getting to the, you know, we're loosening up now. Shops are now opening. The schools were going back this week, but they've closed in this, or they've now not reopened in this area due to um, a big spike in a local factory. Um, so then they, they were due to quite open. Um, in my daughter's case, she's in secondary school, and it was one year per day, so they were going to go in on Mondays for four weeks, uh, but then they're now not open this week anyway. So I don't really follow exactly what the rules are now, because we've just said, right, we're still sticking to the same things. Um, but when you see that like cases are still climbing in this area, and yet things are being loosening up, then it makes us sort of more anxious, really. We're still concerned but other people are getting more relaxed and going ab about more. Things have changed for us in respect of now being able to see some family members. We're considering whether to get the carers uh, back in because we were struggling and we've kind of come to a realisation of we're not going to escape this. We're not going to get to the stage where it's gone away and we can relax and everything be perfectly fine. Um, when it comes to September then, my daughter will certainly have to go back to school. I think she's struggling now. And then we're going to then have that risk that she could bring it back into the home. Um, my son, uh, sorry, my husband should still be able to work from home. Thomas as well is, what, what do I do about him? Because um, do I keep him off all the time? I've got a job I'm supposed to start. So again, that's like looking at September time. So we felt like, well, do we at this stage sort of give in and say, okay, we'll, we'll have the carers in because they will have PPE. It won't be, you know, really risky, but we still feel like even with that, there is that slight risk. So we hadn't been taking it before, but we've got to the point of saying, well, for our own sort of welfare and mental health, do we say, okay, we'll, we'll have to accept something and, you know, the risk being minimal, but do we do that? Um, but again, we sort of delayed that decision because of the, the local outbreak. So we're still trying to weigh that up for the next few weeks. Yeah. When did you find out about the local outbreak? When, when did that become apparent? About a couple of weeks ago, they started saying there's an outbreak in this uh, chicken factory. Um, and there was, I think at the time, sort of 13 cases. Um, and that was when we were discussing with the manager from um, the community children's nursing team, do we have the carers back because they check with us you know every month do you want them in at the moment and we said yeah we are thinking about it but you know can we talk to you and weigh everything up and then we see this in the news and then sort of contacting him back going yeah we're, we're a bit worried about this now that it's sort of the, there could be a spike in the area and then it's built up to 200 positive cases and i think prior to that the only confirmed cases in the area the number of confirmed cases in the area was around 250 altogether but I think there is some, I think it's probably a bit skewed because they have tested everyone there or pretty much all the staff there, whereas obviously prior to that, there would have been a lot of people in the area having the virus but not being tested, wouldn't they? So I guess it's not a complete picture. 
know, I think in all of this so much is guesswork. And it's so tricky when that guesswork is left up to us as individuals. Yes. And like that, that's the thing with weighing up what to do now, because you think, well, we stopped having carers in in March and we stopped seeing everyone in March. And yet there was probably like next to no cases in our area. And now we're reaching like this kind of number. Um, You know, perhaps the risk is at its highest now. So it would be perhaps stupid to then have, you know, people come back in who are in contact with other people in the community and other vulnerable children. Completely. And you've obviously gone through a huge period of change throughout this period are there any changes that have happened that you hope will support people with profound and multiple learning disabilities in the future influenced by this time in lockdown to be honest not really um and i was thinking this before and i listened to your um previous interviews and caught up with joanna grace's and what she said and again she you know i'm probably more negative than she can be she's always very positive but even she said Similar to what I was thinking of, I feel like we've been forgotten. Only It's only amongst the PMLB community itself that I feel like we've supported each other. But other than that, I feel like we've been forgotten. I feel like when talking of, you know, extremely vulnerable people, um, the governments seem to think it's like elderly people. And yet, pretty much anybody, you know, like the, that's vulnerable because of disability or, you know, long-term illness, certainly children, so I don't feel that much has really changed to make people more aware of children like Thomas and you know other people with PMLD to therefore think that maybe in future people will remember them and remember um, you know the issues that they can have and therefore make further adaptations in future. One of our reasons for wanting to start the podcast just to try and document people's stories and try and get them out there a little bit. And obviously there's a big community on facebook in particular of, of, of people like yourself and that's how we found you who have facebook pages and do blogging all about kind of being a family and living with someone with profound learning disabilities and i think you guys do amazing jobs at, at um you know keeping that in the public eye um but it's just about how do we get it out because that reaches our communities and it needs to go further than yeah. that doesn't it I mean, there have been some things, I and mean, we appeared on like the Welsh News about the issue to do with um, getting shopping, priority shopping slots at the time, and the struggle we were having then. So, you know, we did have that feature where Thomas was, you know, visible. So there have been things, but I don't know how much, you know, people really have taken it on board, or certainly those with, you know, the power. What do you think would be the best support that you could be given at a time when? It's so hard to receive support. I think that's the great challenge, isn't it? It's so hard to receive the support that you would usually want because of that transmission risk. Is there another way that isn't that hands-on care that you would feel supported as a family? I think it's just like being, the the information really, if like, you know, the professionals could kind of do the, not the researchers obviously, but kind of find out more and advises more about the risks to Thomas if they can through like their connections. Other than that, you know, we we've like I said we've had the contact checking whether we want the respite care when we get the um, contact from the hospice again checking on us and they've sent activities through that might be suitable. Um, and the school have sent some things through the physios. You know, we have a call from them as well to check on 
on that and if I'm happy with doing the physio exercises, I don't really know what else actually, because <laughs> it is it is really the respite and just it not being full on, just the time to sit down and like take a break. That's been the difficult bit. Yeah, there's just no time for you and, and your husband to have a rest. No, not really. Like we go, you know, one of us walks the dog each day and one of us goes for a run. But then it's just trying to cram it all in because my husband finishes work at half past four, so then he might come and take over for Thomas. I go and change, run out for my run, have a shower, got to then cook, um, do dishes and so on. Then, you know, eat, have the evening, um, spend some time with my daughter. And then I think she's been struggling, been spending a bit more time with her at like bedtime and stuff as well. So I haven't even, like early on, I was getting to bed and then having a little bit of a read. Uh, but now I haven't even been doing that either much. So it has been a bit full on. And you run as well. This is like, this is, seems to be a theme in our podcasts. Everyone we interview is really into running. Yeah, well, I started a couple of years ago. So it does really help. And I've, I've, again, I've blogged about that and how it's helped with my mental health and getting that me time and so on. So we, we kept that up, both of us, trying to fit that in. It's the one thing we do try to make sure we fit in. Oh, well, amazing. It's been so lovely to talk to you, Lucy. I think we also have to mention your amazing backdrop that you've got going on. There's like blue and pink swirls and butterflies. This is amazing. Where are you? Uh, this is one of, well, Thomas has kind of got two rooms because he's got his bedroom, which is quite small. And then he's the room the lift comes into where we do his physio and he's got his other bits and bobs. So his wall design was created by his sister. She drew it amazing. in pencil. Um, and then she, did she... I think, yeah, she chose the colours and we've got um, fluorescent paint to do the colours and then we have a UV light. Oh! So then we can turn all the lights out through the blind or put the blind down and shine the UV light on it and it all glows. <laughs> Thomas, that is really cool. We all need this in our room. So thank you so much, Lucy and Thomas, for talking to us today. It's been really, really lovely to meet you. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for talking to us. Bye. All right, bye. bye. Thank you so much, Lucy and Thomas. And it was really lovely to have Thomas in as part of that Zoom call. Yeah, it was really great to hear from them and hear a perspective. Um, I particularly liked it being across the border in Wales because there's been so much conversation in, in the news about the restrictions being slightly different in different areas of the UK. So that was quite interesting. I think it came... Through, and I think this has come through a few episodes of people's real lack of information being given to them. The fact that Lucy and Thomas never received a shielding letter and so therefore was stopped from getting any support or information that they really needed. Yeah, and that's not the first guests we've had on who have expected shielding letters and never received them because they, they think services have kind of presumed someone else would do it. And obviously there's been a huge amount of people to be contacted throughout this process, but that is fascinating. And I also thought what came through on that when talking to Lucy about the eye gaze technology is how much she's had to fight for Thomas to have access to that. And I think that's stories that we hear time and time again from our audience, that perhaps the contribution of people with PMLD just isn't valued and therefore people don't get access to things that could greatly improve their quality of life and their ability to be able to communicate their needs and desires and give them a sense of autonomy and independence. 
On a positive note, it was great to hear about Thomas's photo shoot for the bubble advertising campaign and to hear about their experiences of playing with bubbles and using them and the photos taken. And again, brings us back to what Joanna Grace was saying earlier on in the podcast about if people with profound and multiple learning disabilities were visible in society, then perhaps society would be better at listening to their needs. That's one of the reasons at Frozen Light that we tour our shows to theatre venues is to increase the visibility for people with PMLD because only when people are visible does society get any better for them. But during this time in lockdown, we were like, well, we're not, we're not able to do that. So that's why we started this podcast to hopefully help to support that visibility. I'm going to take it back to the bubbles for one more second because the bubbles were so exciting. But I also thought it was great about how the product wasn't at first accessible for Thomas because they couldn't put an entire bubble over his wheelchair, which was the entire concept of the product. So they went away and they had to change their product specifications to ensure that they'd be able to do that, um, which I think is really, really great. And again, it just shows that if you have people with different needs involved in these campaigns and using these products, then you actually see what's necessary. You can see how society needs to change and adapt. Yeah, and I wouldn't have thought that was very hard. They, they just took an existing product and, and made it slightly larger. And, and that came about through Thomas being visible and through Thomas's visibility to them, they went, oh, great, actually, we, we can market this to a bigger group of people. Ultimately, it's like going to be financially better for them that they've done that. Yeah, really cool. Um, so that was great. And next on the podcast, we have the Disabled Children's Partnership, who we were really keen to speak to because they've been doing a lot of research during lockdown about families' experiences of this time. So we can't wait to speak to them next week. So thanks for listening, everybody. You can find our podcast on our website at www.frozenlighttheatre.com forward slash podcasts. You can also get it in all the usual places you'd access your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and all the other podcast platforms. And you can get us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Frozen Light Theatre and at Twitter at Frozen Theatre and on Instagram at Frozen Light Theatre and on our website which Lucy previously mentioned you can get an episode transcript and all of the show notes as well as a photo of the guest please do rate, review and subscribe to the podcast it would really help us out and do let us know if there's anything you'd like included or send us any feedback with any of your thoughts to info at frozenlighttheatre.com thanks for listening everyone bye bye